We love music around here. We have such a fun time with music. And I'm trying to train my kids up, and they love music as well. And my oldest son, Kate, is a percussionist in his band at school. And so he likes that. I mean, you just got to hit stuff. I mean, how cool is that? So he's just hitting stuff all day at band. And, and so recently, he's kind of started to learn how to play the chimes. They're working on some Christmas music. And the cool thing about the chimes is you get a Thor-like hammer with which to hit, right? I mean, how cool is that? And so Cade's out there kind of in Thor mode, uh, you know, if Thor were musical and in a middle school orchestra, and uh, he's just banging on those chimes doing his thing, and, and one day, his band teacher just got like crazy, like like Cade's doing his thing, and, and the music's getting inspiring, and, and the band teacher yells out to Cade, more chimes, Cade! So Cade starts hitting the chimes a little hard, and he's getting into a little bit more, and band teacher's not happy yet, more chimes, Cade! He hits, he hits it harder, hit, he's just beating the life out of the chimes, and the band teacher's just getting a little crazy, I mean, he's starting to throw out the lines like, I got a fever, and there's only one prescription, more chimes, I mean, he's just putting it out there, and, and Cade's just going for it, right, and eventually, Cade just gets lost in chime land, right, and he's banging these chimes with all of his heart, what he doesn't realize is that the orchestra teacher has actually stopped the song, and so the orchestra teacher's trying to call at him. Before, before long, the entire band is screaming my son's name, trying to get him to stop playing the chimes. And he's just banging those chimes away until eventually one of his percussion buddies tapped him on the shoulder and kind of woke him up. And Cade realized he was completely out of sync with the band. And that's exactly what happened with Cade that day. He just got out of sync. And the voice that should have been the loudest, the voice that should have been the one he was tuned into, kind of got tuned out with all the clamoring and everything else going on around it, you know? And so Cade kind of wasn't with the band, and the band kind of wasn't with Cade. And you know, I don't know about you, but in my relationship with God, sometimes I feel like that. Sometimes I feel like I'm out of sync with God. I feel like His voice, which I should hear louder than anyone else, and and what I want to hear louder than anyone else, gets lost in all the clamoring and all the noise and busyness of life. And sometimes it just feels like I'm not with him, and maybe he's just not with me. And I'm a pastor. Maybe I'm not supposed to say that out loud, but I'm saying it out loud because it happens to every single one of us at some point or another. If you're a follower of Jesus in the room, there are times you just feel like God's not with you. And if you're not a follower of Jesus here in the room, maybe that's why you're not. Maybe you'd say, I gave this like church God thing a shot, and it just felt like God wasn't with me. It felt like I was putting in all the effort, and it didn't seem like he was doing anything in my life, so I just kind of turned away from him and did my own thing. And so tonight, I want us to talk a little bit about what happens when when it feels like God isn't with us. Because sometimes it just feels like we're crying out to God saying, God, just heal me or save somebody or rescue me in this situation or just show yourself. At least show me you're with me. Even if you don't change everything I want changed in life, could you at least show me that you're with me in what I'm going through? And sometimes we look around at the broken world around us and the pain we go through, and it's like, God, where are you in this loved one's sickness? Where are you in my financial struggles? Where are you when I'm trying to figure out what to do with my life? Where are you when it comes to my uh, situations having to do with relationships that have fallen apart, broken relationships, divorce, broken uh, boyfriend-girlfriend relationships, all the stuff we go through in life. It's like, where are you? Some of us are headed into our first Christmas without a loved one. It's just hard. And we go, God, where are you? Our youth pastor, Joey, two weeks ago tonight, started this theme off with a message that he did. Just just asking this question, is God with us? And and tonight I want to continue to run with that theme. And I want to answer the question, what do we do when it feels like God isn't with us? What do we do? Because every one of us go through this. Whether you're a Christian or not, every one of us at one point or another feels like God just isn't 
with us. And this is a huge deal. This is a huge deal because what we do in those moments is huge. What you and I do when it feels like God isn't with us is so, so big. Because here's what I've seen. I've seen people in those moments decide God must not be real. He must not love them. Maybe he loves everybody else, but not them. And so I'm just going to go do my own thing. I've seen people walk away from God, and I've seen their hearts become incredibly hard in those times. But then I've seen some other people. I've seen some other people who in those times, when it feels like God isn't with them, they hang on. Maybe some of that is, well, not even maybe, probably a lot of that is just simply the grace of God that he keeps us close to to him sometimes when we don't even want to be. Something ever been that person? Like you're kicking and screaming and God's going, I love you enough to hang on to you tight even when you don't want anything to do with me. I know that's been me in my life sometimes. And it's just sheer grace. But there's still, there's something that you and I can cling to in the middle of those times when it feels like God isn't with us that I think will keep us centered and I think will keep us on track. And so I want to look at some of that here tonight because it's so important. It's so important. Literally, the direction of your life and your relationship with God hangs in the balance in those moments when we ask that question, is God with me? If you're not a follower of Jesus, I hope that this encourages you so much. Maybe it'll just encourage you to know that every one of us who have a relationship with God at some point or another feel a little bit far from God. There are sometimes really intense moments where you feel close to Jesus and he, he answers a big prayer and he does something great, but we all have those periods of time in our lives where it just seems like he's nowhere to be found. And maybe you need to hear that tonight and know that as we look at these verses tonight, there's maybe an answer to some of the emptiness, some of the loneliness, and some of the abandonment you may have felt from God. And so I hope you'll find some encouragement tonight. But if you're a follower of Jesus, I want to encourage you to do two things as we look at these verses tonight, two things, when you find yourself in that place where it feels like God isn't with us, I want you to do the first thing, which is this. I want you to look back. And then I want you to do the second thing, which is this. I want you to look ahead to something, okay? So as we look at the verses tonight, you're going to find out what those things are. But I want you to look back, and I want you to look ahead, because I think that's what keeps us centered when it feels like God isn't with us. The beautiful thing about all this is we really find our answer here in the Christmas story. So cool. In some of the famous Christmas verses, we find our answer of what to do when it feels like God isn't with us. And so we're going to look at Matthew chapter 1. You guys can open your Bibles if you want. You can check out the screens in just a minute. We'll have those up there. But Matthew was one of Jesus' great friends. He saw the ups and downs Jesus went through. He saw Jesus heal people and do all these great things. But then he saw Jesus on the cross. And so he saw it all. Eyewitness. And Matthew would eventually give his life for saying that he'd seen Jesus alive and well. And so this was a guy who didn't just simply write a fairy tale, but ended up dying for it. And so we could take what he has to say very seriously. And so in Matthew chapter 1, he, he helps us start to just dive into the Christmas story here. 2,000 years ago, Matthew 1 verse 18 says, This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together... She was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. So Mary knows this is a miracle. Mary's going, I know like where babies come from, and nah, uh You know, like, like I know what's going on here. I didn't do that. And so Joseph is not so convinced, though. Joseph's freaking out a little bit. Joseph's hurt. Joseph's thinking Mary cheated, and now she's pregnant. And so his world's coming apart a little bit. And you have to imagine, this is a time when God felt very quiet for Joseph, Right? I mean, this is a time when, when it felt like God was not with Joseph. This is a time when Joseph would have been excited about his marriage, his engagement to this woman, Mary. And now he finds this out. This has got to be a time when it feels like God isn't 
with him. Verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. And so Joseph's a good guy. He could have made a big scene and made a mess of Mary's life, but he wanted to divorce her quietly or break off this marriage agreement quietly. Now, had he wanted to publicly disgrace her, what he would have done is he would have gone to the public square and gathered all the people by hitting chimes with a Thor-like hammer. I made that up. I'm just kidding. What he would have done is he would have gotten all the religious leaders together and he would have presented his case. And let me just say this. It wouldn't have gone well for Mary. Some really bad things would have happened. Some things I can't even say in mixed company could have happened to Mary because of what she was accused of doing. But before Joseph gets the chance to leave quietly, look what happens in verse 20. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So God sends an angel to calm Joseph down, to help him see the truth. He goes on, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22 is really important. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Now we're going to find out in just a second what the prophet said. But here's what I want you to see. Joseph's in a time where it doesn't feel like God is with him. And God sends a messenger to him and ask him to do something. Ask him to look back. He says, hey, I want you to look back to a promise that God has given. You see, a prophet named Isaiah, 750 years before any of this ever took place, spoke some really powerful words we're going to read in a minute. And so God says to Joseph, I want you to look back to the promise when it feels like I'm not with you. And look at what the promise is in verse 23. The virgin will be with child and she'll give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so this name for Jesus is literally defined as God with us. Isaiah saw Jesus coming 750 years before and said, hey, guess what? A Savior's coming. He's going to remove people's sins. And you know what? One of the names that we're going to call this, this amazing act of God is Emmanuel, which literally means that God is with us. And so in the midst of Joseph's really dark time when it felt like God wasn't with him, God says to him, look back to the promise that I'm going to be with you, that I'm going to be with you. Now here's the difference between Joseph and me and you. You see, Joseph could look back to a promise, but listen, so important, you and I can look back to a person. We get to look back to our Savior, Jesus, in the times when it feels like God isn't with you. You need to look back 2,000 years to a little baby coming to remove your sin and my sin. We need to look back to Emmanuel, God with us. All the things we go through, all the struggles, struggles we have, all the heartache in life, in those moments when we feel like giving up on God, we look back to Jesus. See, Jesus is the proof that God is with us. Jesus is the proof that we're not left to ourselves And like I said earlier, if you're doubting that Jesus can be trusted, that's what we have the visitor CD for and the evidence CD set because we want you to know Jesus can be trusted. You don't walk alone. God is with you. Now there are several things about this phrase, God with us, that are really amazing. The first is that 
there was a time God wasn't with us like he is now, right? Like when Adam and Eve sinned, what was their punishment besides, you know, obviously pain and, and death and all these things eventually entering the equation? Their punishment was separation from God. Like they had unhindered access to God and that was cut off. God wasn't with them like he is with you and I today. They still had a relationship with God, but it was incredibly different. And, and think about like all the big names in the Old Testament in the first half of the Bible. Guys like Abraham, Moses, David, Isaiah. None of them had God with them like you do and like I do. And so the fact that God is with us at this time in human history is unbelievable. Another reason this is really unbelievable is because God shouldn't be with us. You know what I mean? God shouldn't be with us. Have you ever just sat and thought about the mistakes you've made in your life and the, and the ways that you've sinned and you just, you just had this thought, God, God should not want anything to do with me because of all the things I've done and all the guilt and the shame I have all around me. God shouldn't want anything to do with me. God should not be with me or for me because of all the things that I've done. I've been caught red-handed in my sin. Why would God ever want me? Years ago, when I was in youth group, my dad was the youth pastor at our church, and he would take us on all these trips all over the place. And like, say there was a hurricane or a tornado somewhere, like he'd be like, let's pile up the van, go help these people. And we'd like drive to Florida. Like, it wasn't just like, let's go to like, you know, Smithtown. No, he'd take us like on a 30-hour uh, trip down to Florida, and we would always stay in these really creepy church basements. It was wonderful. And we'd have to bring um, uh, air mattresses and sleeping bags, and we'd just be, that was it, man. You'd be out. And so we'd work really hard. We'd be shot. And, and so we're like halfway through our work week, man. We're just exhausted cleaning up after for these tornadoes and cutting trees in half and all this crazy stuff. It's the grace of God, we didn't cut limbs off by accident. We're just doing our thing out there. And so we'd, we'd come back at night and just be shot. And, and one of my friends, Paul, said, hey, I have an idea for a practical joke. He said, I got some fishing wire. Let's, let's run it across the room. And we're going to attach it to our friend's air mattress, the valve on it, right? So when he lays down tonight, when they turn the lights out, we're going to yank that, that fishing wire. It's just going to pop the valve, and you know, whew, you know, he's just going to drop down to the floor. That's going to be really funny. And so we're like, cool, let's do it. So we laid it all out and everything. Youth leaders are like, all right, everybody go to bed, turn all the lights off. And, and Paul's like, okay, one, two, three. And we pull. Nothing happened. Like, all right. And so we pulled again, and still nothing happened. So, so we're like, all right, we're going to get this. You know? so, so finally, we yank really hard, and we hear all this ruckus and everything, and all the youth leaders jump up, and they turn the lights on, and they find our buddy, whose air mattress we had rigged, and he's now laying on his sleeping bag completely on the floor because we had pulled the air mattress right out from underneath him. <laughs> and 20 feet of fishing line and air mattress is right next to my buddy Paul. And the youth leaders come over, and they're like, dude, what'd you do? He's like, nothing, nothing. And he's still got it like all dangling in his hand. And I'm over there going like this. You know, I'm trying to sleep, Paul, you know. <laughs> and there in that moment, Paul could not deny his guilt. That, my friends, is caught be, it's called being caught red-handed, right? And you know what? Every single one of us has, so to speak, an air mattress and 20 feet of fishing line next to us, don't we? The guilt of our sin. The, the obvious, yeah, you got me, busted. And that means God shouldn't be with us. God is pure. God is holy. God has never sinned, never told a lie, never lusted, never acted out of wrongful anger. And yet, he's with us? Not only is he with us, but he came as one of us. Like, how crazy is that? God walking around with skin and bones, going through puberty, going through middle school and high school, you know, 
growing up, probably having his heart broken with friends and people making fun of him and getting bullied like we all did in high school, right? And, and the heartbreak of friends betraying him and temptation and all those things that he went through. And just think about this for a second. He didn't send a representative. He came for you and for me. Our buddy that was uh, doing all the DJing out here, we called them DJ Jingle Beats, by the way, tonight, if you didn't catch that. But Anthony has been helping us out here at the church recently in some different ways. And uh, our youth pastor, Joey, this past week, he came in and he goes, Anthony, I have a really important job for you to do. Uh, I, need to, I need you to make a really important phone call. I know Joey's been really busy around this time of year. He's got his retreat coming up and everything. So he hands Anthony this piece of paper with a phone number and everything that he needs to say to the guy. And I'm expecting Joey to run out of the room and go, you know, keep kind of going in crazy mode. But Joey just like goes like this, and he like sits down in the seat in my office, and he folds his arm, and he just sits back with a little smirk, and he just watches Anthony make the call. And I was like, Joey, what are you doing? Like, aren't you busy? You're like, I seem really fun making this call. I'm just going to watch Anthony kind of squirm and make this call for himself, you know? And you know what? That's exactly what Jesus maybe could have done. Maybe I'll just send a representative. Maybe instead of saving them, because only God could do that, Maybe I'll just warn them. Maybe I'll send somebody who could just say, hey, you guys are kind of a mess and you really should honor God. But, but no, Jesus knew the only way to save mankind was to be one of us, to walk through life like we have walked through life. And see, here's the beautiful thing about what Jesus did is he lived the life that you and I fall short of. Like that had to happen. God can't just overlook sin and say, ah, I'll just pretend it didn't happen, sweep it under the carpet. No, Jesus had to come live the life that I, Doug Jansen, have fallen short of living time and time again. And then he took it further. He took it further because he didn't just come as one of us, but then he died as one of us for all of us. You see, it cost Jesus everything to be with you. It wasn't this little decision he made. It cost Jesus everything to be with you. There is no greater proof that God is with us than Jesus hanging on the cross. You see, here is the reality. The reality is that Jesus came as a cute little baby. I remember when my kids were born, they were these cute little, you know, alien kind of sort of looking things. You know, they come out like, oh, cute. You know, (laughs) wow, okay. Uh, No, no, they're adorable and beautiful. Thankfully, my wife was a little early, she didn't hear that. Um, No one tell her. Um, but they're, they're, they're cute and they're adorable and, they're, and they make all those funny noises and they start laughing and they start growing up and getting a sense of humor. And so, so Jesus came as that cute little baby that you and I celebrate around this time. But there would be a time when he would turn into a man, right? And he would hang on a cross and he would look like this. You see, we celebrate this time of year a beautiful little baby. And that is the evidence God is with us, but that is the greatest evidence that God is with you and me. And it was uglier than that picture depicts. The Bible tells us he was unrecognizable as a human. His body torn apart so that you could know that he is with you. The greatest proof that God is with you is the cross. C.S. Lewis said this. You guys can check this out on the screens. God who needs nothing loves into existence holy, superfluous creatures in order that he may love and perfect them. He creates the universe already foreseeing the buzzing cloud of flies about the cross, the flayed back pressed against the uneven stake, the nails driven through the medial nerves, the the repeated incipient suffocation as the body droops, 
the repeated torture of back and arms as it is time after time for breath's sake hitched up, if I may dare the biological image, God is a host who deliberately creates his own parasites, causes us to be that we may exploit and take advantage of him. Herein is love. This is the diagram of love himself, the inventor of all loves. It cost Jesus everything to be with you. And that is what we look back to when it feels like God isn't with us. That is what we focus our mind on when it feels like we're not hearing his voice, when it feels like he's not answering prayer, when it feels like he could care less. We go, oh, but wait. Jesus came. Jesus died on a cross in my place. He's with me. See, here's something you got to catch tonight. Every religious system out there offers nothing like this. No one else came for you. No one else but Jesus came to deal with your sin. Everybody else, every other religious system out there tells you there's a sin issue in your life or there's a problem in your life. Good luck with that. But Jesus comes to deal with it in our place for us. And that's what we have to look back to every time it feels like God isn't with us. But there's also something we have to look forward to. Something we have to look ahead to. You see, the amazing thing about Jesus is he didn't just come 2,000 years ago and then leave. I mean, he could have. You ever thought about that? Like God could have sent Jesus, he could have died on the cross, rose him back from the dead, and then just said, okay, I'm out, I'll see you, you know, put your faith in me, and good luck with that. And our sins still could have been removed, but we would have been really, really, really at a disadvantage from what we are. Because here's the beautiful thing about you and I, if we have a relationship with Jesus, it's not just that God is with us, no, it's that God is in us, right? God is in us. The Holy Spirit is in you and me. And so it's true that God was with us and came as a little baby, but here's the great news for you. God is still with you. God is still walking with you every day and everywhere you go. And so what I want you to look ahead to is a new experience with God, a new way that he will show you that he's with you. You see, I think it's really important that we look back to the cross, we look back to Jesus coming, as a little child, but I think it's just as important that we look ahead and say, God, I need to see in a new way that you are with me. I need to see in a new way that you're alive and well and that you answer prayer. And so, sort of the simple yet incredibly powerful thought I want you to walk away with tonight is that God is with you. God is with you. Him coming as a little baby proves that. The cross certainly proves that. But guess what? The Holy Spirit at work in your life here and now also proves that. And we're going to really jump into that concept in this new series we're starting next week. But I want you to know that God is with you in all that you go through. He is with you in the financial stress. He is with you in the heartbreaks. He's with you through the divorce of your, your own marriage or your parents or whatever you might be going through. He is with you in the sickness. He's with you as you go through your first Christmas with that without a loved one, sitting at the table that was there last year, and you don't know how you're going to get through this. He is with you. And in those moments when it feels like he's not, we got to look back to what Jesus did, and we got to look ahead to what he will do. Because he wants to show up in your life in a real way. He wants to show up and do some things in me and you that only he can do. And if you and I would take him up on this, if you and I would say, okay, God, I 
I'm going to move ahead. I'm going to come back. Some of you are on the verge of a comeback tonight. You've been gone for a long time. You've been far from Jesus for a long time. And tonight you are like, I could go either way right now, Doug. I could go right back and I could head back out to the party or I could head back out to my unbelief or my anger at God. Or I don't know, man, I'm kind of like, you know, just on the fence here. I could also come running back to Jesus. Can I just encourage you to come running back to Jesus and to go to him and to say this, God, I'll look back to the cross, but God, I need to see you in a fresh new way in my life. I need something new. I need something up to date. And here's how I want to encourage you to do that. See, the way we get ourselves in trouble with this is when we say, okay, God, if you don't give me this one thing, here's what I need right now, God, and if you don't give me that one thing, then I can't trust you. You must not be there. That's when we get ourselves in trouble. And here is what I just want to encourage you with tonight. God is so much smarter than me and you. And when you and I are asking for this one thing and he's saying no, he may know that that one thing just may kill us. Just may be the worst thing that ever happened to us. And so he lovingly says, you can say all you want, you want that, but because I love you, I'm not going to give that to you. Instead, I think what you and I are to do is we're to go to God and say, God, looking back to the cross, but I want to look ahead to a new experience with you. So God, here are my needs. And we get specific with them. We say, God, my finances are a mess. God, my marriage or my parents' marriage is a mess. God, my, my body is sick and I just need healing. God, I need some direction. I need to know what to do with my life. And, and we bring these specifics and then we let God be God and answer what he knows to answer in the way he knows to answer it. And here's a promise that I can make to you, and I don't make this lightly. If you and I will approach God with that heart and that attitude, I promise you that God will show himself to you. I promise you that as you look to him and you say, God, I'm not going to put a time on this, a date on this. I'm not going to tell you what you should or shouldn't do. I'm just going to present my needs to you. I can promise you, I'm not telling you this just because I've read the Bible, because I've lived this over and over again, that God shows up on the other side of that prayer. And so if you're on the verge of running one way or the other tonight, Can I just encourage you to run to your Savior and not away from him? God is with you. He wants to show you that in a new way. And it's not always in the time we want, and it's not always in the way that we want, but he wants to show you he is with you. And if I could just encourage you too, that sometimes in this broken world, even when we kind of have a good day with God, we still feel like there's a longing in our heart for more. You know what I mean? More closeness. I want to be closer to Jesus. I want to see him even more. Well, guys, that's called heaven. That's coming one day. Jesus purchased that for you and me. And so sometimes here and now, there's still a longing in our heart for even more of God. And God is showing us himself in different ways. And he shows up and he answers prayer and he provides and he heals. and He does all these great things. But ultimately, that longing in us is a good thing. Because it means we're longing for heaven. We're longing for eternity, we're longing for our Savior when we'll see him face to face. And that's a good thing. And so God is with you. And when you're struggling to believe that, look back to his coming. Look back to his cross. Look back to the person, Jesus. And look ahead to what he wants to do in your life. A new thing, an up-to-date There's a pastor named Louis Giglio, and he tells the story about how one day he was driving across a bridge late at night. He he was in his late teens, early 20s, and he dropped off a friend. 
And as he's driving across the bridge, he fell asleep at the wheel. And he woke up, bouncing off the median, into a car next to him, back into the median, into the car next to him. And this went on for a while until both cars stopped. Louis looked at the guy next to him, saw that the guy next to him, his car was in worse shape than his own car. And so he just took off. He left the man stranded there. Went home, knowing he would have gotten in trouble, you know, and he didn't want to think about facing all he should have gone through and would have gone through had the police been called. And so he wakes up the next morning, and it was his dad, and his dad said, Son, you need to meet me at the police station. As you were pulling away last night, the owner of the other car that you were in the accident with got your license plate, and the police need you to come here. And so Louis went to the police station, and as he pulled up, the cops kind of, you know, laid into him for what he had done. But then the cops told him this, the man in the other car is not pressing any charges. All this man asked is that you let us tell you what happened on the bridge last night. And as Louis listened in, this is what they told him, that Louis was driving down this bridge and this man was a little bit behind and several lanes away from Louis. And as he saw Louis fall asleep and start to veer toward the median, This other man, this stranger, veered his car right next to Louis, knowing that if Louis hit the median, he would probably flip over off that bridge and plummet to his death. And so he veered the car over to be right next to him to help break the fall. At great cost to him, he let that car bounce off his own car until both cars were stopped and Louis' life was saved. And guys, that is what Jesus has done for you and I. At great cost to himself, he veered the car toward us. He saw us heading for our death, and he came to be with us. Just think about it. That man could have tried to honk his horn from several lanes ahead. He could have flashed his lights. He could have started waving and yelling, trying to wake him up. But no, he said, I'm going to veer over and be with this man to save his life. And that's exactly what our Savior has done for us. He didn't honk the, he- the horn of heaven. He didn't flash heaven's lights. He didn't do any of those things. No, he came for you and me. He veered his own life to a collision course with ours and kept us from death. Didn't count our sins against us, but came as a little baby and grew into a man and put himself on the cross in your place, and in my place, to prove to us that God is with us. And then he put his Holy Spirit in you and in me to again prove to us, not 2,000 years ago, but here and now, today, that God is with you. And so if you're feeling like God's not with you, look back to his coming, look back to the cross, look back to the person named Jesus, but also look ahead. See and ask and cry out to God for new experiences with him that he would show you in his way and in his time that he's with you. Would you pray with me? So God, we just come to you tonight and we need you so much. God, we live in a world that is difficult. We live in a world that is broken, that there's pain all around us and sometimes we get lost in it if we're honest. And so, God, we just cry out to you and ask you, God, to help us. If any of us tonight in this room are in that spot where we feel like you're so far away, that, God, 
We'd look back to you. We'd look back to all that we celebrated at this time of year. We'd look back to the cross. And, and we'd also look ahead, God, that you'd give us the courage and the boldness and the passion to seek you for an up-to-date, fresh experience. And so, God, would you show us that you are with us? If you're a follower of Jesus, I want to encourage you to take a minute right now. And I want to encourage you to bring to God those things that you need him to do in your life. Without an agenda and without a calendar date that he has to do it by or you're not going to believe in him anymore. But would you come to him and say, God, here's what I need you to do and here's what I need you to do. And be specific and lay it out for him. And I can tell you this, I don't know when it will be, and I don't know which of those things you bring to him he'll show up in first and what order he'll do those things in or what he'll say no to because he loves you that much to protect you from that thing you think you want but you really don't, know, you don't want if you knew what it would lead to. But I do know this, that he will show himself and he will prove to you that he's with you. So if you're a Christian, would you do that? If, if you're somebody that's been gone for a while, and you've been running, and you've been doing your thing, and maybe you went through a season where it felt like God wasn't with you, and you just decided to run, or maybe just sin looked better, but, but you're realizing that while sin's fun for a season, it always beats you up. It always bites back. Then tonight, I want to encourage you to, to pray a prayer like this with me. Jesus, I'm, I'm coming back to you tonight. I need your forgiveness and grace. I made a mess of things, and I need you. God, would you show me that you're with me? And God, would you help me to stay close to you? Thank you that your love for me is so huge. And that tonight you don't condemn me, you don't push me away, but you welcome me back with open arms. And if you're not a follower of Jesus tonight, I want to just talk to you for a second. I would love for you to put your trust in Jesus tonight. He wants to forgive you of your sin put the Holy Spirit in your life. And I know that, that term sometimes is scary and you see things on TV and YouTube and public, public access channels that freak you out and they freak me out too. That's not what it's about. It's about the loving, powerful, amazing God coming into your life and doing things in you and me that we just can't do in ourselves. It's about a love that he puts in us. It's about a self-control that suddenly he brings into our life that we could never find before, a joy, a peace. And ultimately, it's about forgiveness of sins and eternal life in our Savior. So if you want to put your trust in him tonight, you can just quietly pray something like this. Jesus, thank you for coming for me. Thank you, God, for veering your life into this collision course with mine. Thank you for letting it cost you so much. And so, Jesus, would you forgive me of my sin? And would you show me you are with me over and over and over again, God? Would you help me to see you for all that you are? I thank you that you are my Savior. And that this is a gift that you are giving me that I can never earn myself. Thank you. In your name I pray.